Hello and happy Halloween. I am Matt and I am here with another Halloween inspired one-off special episode from Neozaz.com, The Legend of Brigantine Castle. Now for anyone near my age that grew up in the greater Philadelphia to the Jersey Shore area, you already know what I'm going to be talking about this episode. For everyone else, I'm going to have to set the stage a little bit. It's no secret that I absolutely love haunted houses. That's one of the big things I look forward to every Halloween. I mean, I love the spirit. I love that time of year. I love the weather. love the costumes. even enjoy handing out candy to the neighborhood kids, for at least for a short period of time. But more than anything, I just absolutely love a haunted attraction, uh, a haunted event, and it really isn't a full haunted event to me at Halloween if there isn't at least one haunted house. The more the better, actually. That's one of the big reasons that one of the cornerstones of the News as Network is the show The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, as that gives us a chance to cover the Universal Studios Orlando annual event and all their haunted houses each year. In fact, we've gone back throughout the entire years of the almost three decades that event's been held and talked at length about those haunted houses. But well before my time at Halloween Horror Nights, in fact, even before Halloween Horror Nights itself, there was another large-scale, I'm going to say season-long, and there's going to be a qualifier there very soon, season-long haunted attraction that was sort of a part of my life. Back in the golden age of summer Saturday television broadcasting, the big three networks, the nationwide networks, would fill the mornings with the now long-gone Saturday morning cartoon blocks. Then in the afternoons, the local UHF channels took over. A lot of us that grew up in this time period would spend many an hour watching our local Kung Fu theater broadcast, maybe some public domain comedy shorts. But for me, I would not miss the WKBS-TV Channel 48 Creature Double Feature. There's a double dose of campy, schlocky, almost B-grade horror movies featuring anything from the Hammer horror films to the lesser-known kaiju movies and even some of my now-beloved Universal monster flicks. So not all B-grade movie, not all schlocky. Uh, inexpensive. Maybe that's the way to say it. Again, this is a local station, UHF channel. I don't even know if everyone listening to me knows what those letters and numbers mean altogether at this point. Creature Double Feature was my introduction to most of the Universal horror movies. Many of the lesser lost the time horror movies outside of Universal Pictures and Hammer Film Productions for sure. It was my original horror. It's, it's the horror I grew up on is probably the best way to say that. It's also, in a way, my first introduction to the world of large-scale, fully-casted, season-long haunted house attractions. Without fail. Sometime during the broadcast of Creature Double Feature, probably more than once, because we're talking a four-hour block of programming, this commercial you're about to hear aired. Theme Castle, where ancient colonial halls and things behind glass walls are waiting just for you. Believe it or not, you'll see a living, headless woman and other living things amid dungeons and torture chambers and Brigantine Castle. It's alive. 
Now, let me explain where I'm talking seasonally here and really the area we're talking about. Long before the two words Jersey Shore became synonymous with reality television, that was a phrase we'd use to tell our family and friends where we'd be for at least one week each summer growing up in the greater Philadelphia area. People ask, what are your summer plans? Jersey Shore. Where are you going for the weekend? Jersey Shore. There were 44 beaches to visit New Jersey. There might be more now, but that is a number that I looked up at the time that we were at our vacationing heyday. And along with that were 18 accompanying boardwalks. Now, if you're not familiar with what a true boardwalk is along a beach, uh, that that's a part of growing up that I can't imagine having ever lived without. Just it's the word boardwalk picture a series of boards, much like a backyard deck, but that goes on for what felt like when I was a kid, it felt like miles. It felt like this thing had no beginning and no end. Well, of course it did. And it probably wasn't near as long as I thought, but along this boardwalk, think about every type of food you could ever want as a kid, candy, fried food, salty food, salty fries in particular bar boardwalk fries was a, was a name that was also synonymous with our summers. And in between those were games, games of chance, usually rigged. Hardly anyone ever walked away with a prize there, but they were still fun to play. And at the kind of cornerstone of each of these little shops, or these little, I shouldn't even say shops, these little stretches of entertainment, were these anchor attractions, I guess you'd call them. In some cases, they could be rides, like there might be a, a bumper car ride, or uh, many of them had, uh, you've probably seen pictures of these, if you're not familiar with them, roller coasters on the end of them. Uh, wax museums, just larger scale items that were a little more expensive to spend your time and your money while you're walking the boardwalk. Now, some of the more notable boardwalks when I grew up were Wildwood with Maury's Pier and amusement rides, Atlantic City Boardwalk with all the casinos. That's probably the most well-known one in Jersey, I would imagine. And for a time, Brigantine with the Seahorse Pier and Brigantine Castle. And that was a haunted attraction for the summer season for the Jersey Shore. And that is where the word seasonal comes in. This is something that might be a little strange to us that are used to the theme park haunted season. Because with being in Florida and things being open year round, 365, 366 on leaf years, days a year, this season is divided up by time of year and Halloween Horror Nights for instance, along with other haunted attractions, other theme parks are tend to be done in the fall. Brigantine Castle is open in the summer. Typically, these pier attractions would open on Memorial Day and last until Labor Day. That was the summer vacation for us up north. Uh, maybe give or take a few days, depending on the school district. But by and large, that was the time we would venture out of Pennsylvania, cross into New Jersey for free, have our fun, Pay to get back out of New Jersey, which is a still true to this day. That cracks me up, but that's a story for another podcast. And then we'd go back to school after those times were over. So seasonal for us, I will say it took some time when it came to enjoying uh, rides and attractions and events to realize seasonal does not mean summer vacation once I moved to Florida. But at the time it did. And this seasonal haunt was only available during those hot months of summer. This idea of putting a permanent haunted attraction, which I realize is a weird 
way to say that when I just went through all that time to explain how this was only open during the summer. But the, the thing was never taken down. It was always there. Even during those winter months, it was just locked up tight and ready to open during the summer. So it was a permanent structure. So going back to that, this idea of putting a permanent haunted structure in Brigantine, New Jersey, came from the mind of businessman Carmen Ricci. It started when Ricci had brought the proposal of the revitalization and renovation of the already existing old Seahorse Pier. He brought it to the city of Brigantine in 1975. The old pier had started to deteriorate over the past several years and seemingly had no real future up to this point. His plan was approved, and in early 1976, the first phase of this renovation and revitalization began. And the first phase of that was the construction of a five-story tall medieval castle at the base of the pier that would very soon become the haunted attraction Brigantine Castle. The construction of the building was really quick. It was up and ready to open that very same year, 1976, on Memorial Day weekend. So we're talking under five months construction time for a fully realized five-story structure with all the... I don't even know what you would call it, the uh, kind of that unique construction, inner construction of the ways characters would move about, the boo holes, everything that goes into making a haunted house and make it traversable by the people that are coming to visit it. Taking all those details in consideration and the time, this is well over 40 years ago at this point. That is kind of, actually not even kind of, that's really impressive to think about. With this new large-scale anchor attraction for the pier, Ricci was preparing for the opening by putting together this advertising and marketing blitz to let everybody in the area know that it was coming. That summer, you could not open a local magazine or newspaper without seeing an ad for Brigantine Castle. You'd be hard-pressed to watch anything even loosely connected to horror or vacationing on local TV without seeing one of their commercials. And even on the radio, ads like this for Brigantine Castle were constantly heard. Of the living dead lingers amid shadows of secret passageways and twisted winding labyrinths. Inch forward at the edge of a slimy bottomless pit, the graveyard of those less fortunate who have gone before you. There are hungry, rabid bats racing through darkened passageways to find their victims. See a scientific wonder that's being called the missing link. More beasts than humans. Close enough to catch, if you dare. Brigantine Castle. It's alive. Now, we talked about how fast they put this up. We actually talked about how tall this was. It's, again, an impressive structure, five stories tall. But let's discuss what Brigantine Castle actually held inside its walls. This was a classic example of what most people probably think of when they hear the term haunted house attraction. Lots of different horrific scenes throughout the walk of the house. Nothing real specific, not like the single-themed ones that we would get in a haunted event in somewhere like Orlando, where you'd have multiple houses, and you can concentrate each house into its own theme. There was a premise behind this. There was a little bit of a story. 
The premise for Brigantine Castle was that you, as the guest, was being given a guided tour of the castle by Prince Vlad. Brigantine Castle served as Prince Vlad's home, but as you would soon learn, he, of course, wasn't there alone. You were taken from room to room, and each room featured a new scene or its own scene and its own set of actors. Just to name a few of the many rooms in there, there was one with the remnants of a king and queen and a mad, deformed jester that was still trying to entertain those remains. And then you, of course, as you pass by, there's a swamp-soaked graveyard with a rendition of the Headless Horseman. There is a butcher shop with some questionable cuts of meat, as you can probably envision. You'd encounter various victims that were screaming for help and then ultimately meeting their demise in front of your eyes. And the piece de resistance and the thing that always made me just wonder what was happening in the commercials is the mad scientist that reanimated a headless woman's corpse in an illusion that I still don't quite know how they did to this day. Brigantine Castle was an instant hit. It was also a huge hit. In fact, in many ways, at its apex, it was too much of a hit. That small section of the Jersey Shore where the Seahorse Pier resided wasn't built for the crowds that Brigantine Castle was now drawing. The very small parking lots that were there were constantly full. Long lines started to form around the streets. Then tour buses came and doubled those problems daily during the summer. Even the full construction of the pier, which added a miniature golf course, an arcade, and a handful of other attractions did nothing to alleviate these crowd issues. Soon, traffic started to become a problem as the cars and buses alike just stopped along the road to be able to get to the castle. Neighboring businesses were experiencing non-paying foot traffic to and from their bathrooms, and there's even reports that residential homes were having their doors knocked on by kids asking to use their facilities. At this point, after the full realization of the pier, after the initial media blitz, all the advertising, and most importantly, once that word of mouth got out, Brigantine Castle was now drawing visitors in by the literal millions. At the tail end of the 70s, a lawsuit was filed against Brigantine Castle. Now, this lawsuit was fueled by the city of Brigantine now drawing up new ordinances that would limit tourist bus traffic to the pier and then cap the amount of advertising for attractions in the area. Now, I'm no lawyer, and I wouldn't even be getting to guess to be a lawyer, but that seems like kind of a little bit of a shady, uh, it's not a business deal because it's a city, a little bit of a shady activity on the part of the city that I don't think would necessarily fly today without a lot of flack, especially when you can get those kind of antics spreading like wildfire across social media. These new ordinances and of course the lawsuit that came with it that created a notable drop in visitors to the castle. But despite this, the attraction still managed to stay open and work within those limitations and to an extent thrive. But there was one thing that did end up hitting the castle that no one anywhere could have done anything about. In August of 1982, a severe storm rolled over the city of Brigantine and directly over the castle. The pier, which of course, the, we're talking Seahorse Pier, the home of Brigantine Castle, suffered a half million dollars in damages from that one single storm. 
Now, even though developer Carmen Ricci had all the necessary insurance coverage for such an event, actually the exact event, he was never able to collect the full amount for the damages. This again seems a little, I don't, I don't know if shady is the word. I certainly don't want to accuse insurance companies of shady practices when I need all the insurance that I have to use on a daily basis to live and drive and everything else. But again, just seems like one of those things that is when you got a lot of people against you and you're a small business, it's a no-win situation that would be maybe not totally different, but I think a lot different if this were uh, going on today. That's, that's what I want to say about that, I guess. But despite whatever efforts might or might not have been against him, I have no proof, the castle still continued. Carmen Ricci was able to do the necessary repairs to get it functioning again, and Brigantine Castle opened its doors to visitors once again. In the darkest reaches of the mind, there has never been anything like Brigantine. Alive again, with even more surprises than before. From its lofty towers high above the sea, to rat-infested dungeons and hidden graveyards. There is always someone, or something, dying to meet you. Brigantine Castle, it's alive. But now, there is something that has absolutely nothing to do with anybody against Brigantine Castle. It has nothing to do with the city, the government, the insurance. I want to make that clear that there's no lightheartedness to this part of the story. There was a tragedy that did happen at another haunted attraction in another part of Brigantine Castle's home state in New Jersey. Six Flags Great Adventure in Jackson Township, New Jersey, was home to the haunted attraction Haunted Castle. Now, in this case, the Haunted Castle wasn't a, its own thing. It was part of the park. And again, their seasonal operations tended to be late spring over the summer into early fall. But it was a haunted attraction with inside a larger park. On May 11th, 1984, at 6.35 p.m., a fire broke out inside the Haunted Castle attraction. There were 29 guests inside at the time. The fire grew very quickly, being fed air and oxygen from the building's air conditioning. Eight of those people inside never escaped. There were eight teenagers that were killed in this tragic accident. This attraction, the Haunted Castle, was built from 17 trailers and considered to be a temporary building, regardless of having been in operation for five years before this fire. As a temporary structure, Current local laws didn't require inspection from the fire department, nor did it require any type of smoke or fire alarms. And worst of all, it did not require any fire suppression system or sprinklers. After this tragedy, those laws were immediately changed. With these new laws, a new engineering study was now required by Brigantine Castle by the city. And under the new laws, the study found that the castle lacked the now required sprinkler systems and fire escapes. Along with these safety modifications, the study also found that the pier was structurally unsafe, most likely a remnant of the storm damage two years prior. This was the actual final nail in the coffin for this attraction, so to speak. There was efforts made to keep that from happening, which we'll talk about here shortly, but this inspection forced the shutdown of Brigantine Castle in 1984. Carmen Ricci was still determined to make the repairs and reopen the pier and the castle by the 1985 season. 
But along with all the costs and the stress of the repairs, there was now mounting resistance from city officials, and that seemed to be the final straw for Ricci, and the attraction remained closed for good. In April of 1987, Ricci sold the property to a developer for $1 million. That summer, the entire pier and everything on it was going to be demolished and replaced by a new set of condominiums. But about a week before this demolition began, a fire broke out, completely destroying the pier and Brigantine Castle. An amateur photographer took these pictures as the Brigantine Castle burned to the ground. A wooden pier and several nearby buildings were also destroyed. Today, firefighters were still on the scene, hosing down the charred embers. The castle had been shut down for three years because of safety reasons. It had recently been bought by a developer who planned to tear it down. Authorities don't know the cause of the blaze, but the arson squad is investigating. The Brigantine Castle and its pier are now gone forever at this point and so much so that they were finally fully replaced by condos in 2002 but the legacy of this attraction lives on there is a fantastic website in terms of information on brigantine castle it's darkinthepark.com this site documents the history of three haunted attractions in new jersey brigantine castle being one of them i'll include the link to both the full site and to the Brigantine Castle homepage on this episode's show notes. When you visit, be sure you check out two things, if not everything on this entire site, but these two things about Brigantine Castle. First, check out the email slash stories page and read the story written by Paul Spatola. It's a narrative piece walking you through each room of the attraction as if it was a real-life event. It's probably the most detailed account of this entire experience that I found researching this episode. Then be sure to check out the actors page. Here you're going to find a ton of photos from the actors from the whole run of Brigantine Castle and most of them in makeup. And that's the thing I wanted to point out because the makeup at a minimum, the youngest these pictures could be being from 1984 is 35, 36 years from the time of this recording. And again, that's the earliest these could be. A lot of these pictures are older than that. Some of this makeup work could be dropped right in the middle of Halloween Horror Nights now in 2020. It's pretty amazing to see. Not all of them, of course. I want to say that before the emails start rushing in, but some of them. And if you check out those pictures, I think you would agree to some extent. At least I hope so. I'm putting every disclaimer out. I can to not get emails. Did you see that? So, But no, honestly, I do think a lot of them could be. It looked like they were just done last season. Now, let's talk about my experience with Brigantine Castle. Well, the truth is, and you may have picked up on it from the choice of words I used in the, I'd say, first third of this episode, I've never got to experience Brigantine Castle. I was 12 years old when it closed for good, and no matter how much I begged, screamed, cried, and threw tantrums, my parents would never take me to see it. And now, in hindsight, saying that out loud, that's probably because I would beg, scream, cry, and throw tantrums about it. Another factor is we were primarily a Wildwood family. When we went to the Jersey Shore, we went to Wildwood and to Maury's Pier. If not exclusively, pretty damn close. Looking on a map, Brigantine was 50 miles away from that. Doesn't seem that much now, but in the 70s and probably not near the road infrastructure there is between the beaches that there is now, that might as well have been another state. It's just we were not going to bounce from 
peer to peer along the Jersey Shore when we had everything that we were planning to do and typically did year after year in Wildwood, New Jersey. It just wasn't going to be part of the plan. Being 12, I, of course, I couldn't drive myself there. I had no source of income, so I couldn't get on a bus to get there. It was just one of those seemingly unattainable things that would never happen and ultimately that did not happen. But that did not stop me from grabbing a brochure at every rest stop that had it in their rack. I'm pretty sure these things still exist today. It's been a long time since I've been to a... Um, I guess a rest stop, maybe even some hotels have them. I haven't looked for them is what it comes down to. But if, if, uh, you're not picturing what I, what I'm saying, just picture a, uh, usually a wooden, maybe metal rack about four feet tall, maybe about, maybe about four feet wide that can just hold a sheet of paper trifolded and hold, I don't know, 50 of them, maybe more of all the local attractions in the area, restaurants, things to do, uh, zoo, everything. Everything there is to do would be in here. We'd always stop at at least one rest stop from Philadelphia to the Jersey Shore to get gas, get food, use the restrooms, probably something my sister and I would beg for just five miles onto the road. And in those rest stops would be these brochure holders, and there would always inevitably be some for Brigantine Castle. And there was always one less when I left. I... Got those things. I didn't collect them the way I collect things now when it comes to horror, so they're long gone. They'll probably never survive until the holiday cleaning before the Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's time a year came around and we had to clean the house or at least get it presentable for families. And by we and presentable, I mean my bedroom. My parents, of course, kept better care of their house than I did my bedroom. I was 12, crying out loud. And uh, yeah, they, they probably didn't even survive till then. So I'm a little... A little bummed they don't have it, but I'm happy to be able to relive it virtually through park in darkinthepark.com because they have scans of that and of some other print ads as well. It's actually a really cool site to walk down memory lane if you remember this attraction. So like I said, it was certainly something I not only felt I missed out on, but did miss out on and really wish I had a memory of it, especially with being now just minutes away from what is possibly the greatest haunted event with the greatest haunted houses on the face of the earth at universal studios and halloween horror nights and i wouldn't want that memory to compare i mean it's going to be an apples and oranges comparison just think of the years i mean it's decades between the two and how much things have changed i just would like it to be part of my collection of memories of enjoying haunted houses not only in orlando but the ones i experienced before ever moving here and never even knowing halloween horror nights existed just feels like a piece that could have one of those could have bins, but I can't get that upset about it for all of the reasons I listed. I was 12, I didn't drive, and we vacationed somewhere else in that state. Really no realistic chance for me to have gone and visited it, unfortunately. But though the castle is gone, I'm really thankful that there is enough people that were passionate about it and did have memories about it to make sites like darkenthepark.com, to share scans, to find their old collections, to share them online, to have somehow, maybe on purpose or maybe just by recording a movie, getting those commercials on and putting them on YouTube. I'm glad the information is out there and I could learn about it. And I'm glad to have put this episode together to do what little I could to help spread the legend of Brigantine Castle even farther. So with that, that does it for this episode, and I really hope you enjoyed this one. This, of course, is part of a much larger lineage of our annual Halloween-themed specials from neozaz.com. 
We've been producing Halloween specials of all kinds, both as standalone releases and Halloween editions of our regular series for quite a few years now. In fact, I'm not even sure the number five, six years, maybe more. What I do know is that all those specials can be found on one feed on iTunes and Stitcher and just about everywhere else you find podcasts. And that feed is called News As Celebrates Halloween. And that has every Halloween themed episode ever from our network all in that one feed. All of our work, Halloween or otherwise, of course, can always be found at neozaz.com. And if you wish to do so, you can follow us on social media. We are at Neozaz on Twitter and Instagram and Neozaz Podcast on Facebook. And last but not at all least, we are solely listener supported through Patreon. To learn about that and find even more content that we've recorded exclusively for our Patreon supporters, visit patreon.com slash neozaz. That is it for the special, all except for me to say thank you for listening, and I will see you in our next special. <laughs>